This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. I think it just takes one connection, one experience to really change your life. So it's these little small things that can happen and then you continue to maybe keep a relationship going with someone that you never know uh, what it's going to turn out to be. And I've had so many situations in life where maybe I was doing a good job, maybe I, I don't know, I just was doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing and somebody is always watching. We love stories. There is something so intrinsic in our human nature about sharing stories. We love to hear about other people's experiences and to see ourselves in their experience or in their personality so that we can relate to the story. Well, my guest today is Francisco Gonzalez, and he is a person who shares stories. He has come to find many, many innovators in the world who are out there making a difference not always household names, but people who are creative and willing to take a risk to bring something to the world that can help. His book, The American Dream is a Terrible Things to Waste, shares many stories of these entrepreneurs and innovators out in the world. I'm gonna let him share a little bit more about what that means. And I wanna just invite you to sit back and listen in as Francisco shares his stories. Francisco, hello and welcome to our podcast. It just takes one. It's great to see you. Kelly, thank you so much. It's great to see you as well. I have to start by mentioning that you are in a very beautiful location. I can tell from behind you that you must be down in Guatemala. I am. I'm here at the Universidad Francisco Marroquin in Guatemala City, actually, and it's just a a beautiful environment here, great place to get some work done, teach some classes, and maybe write a book. <laughs> and perhaps write a book that we'll be talking about here in a minute. You know, the first time that we met, Francisco, you talked to me about Guatemala and what a special place it is to you. And I thought that might be a great place for our listeners to get a chance to start to know you. Tell us a little bit about Guatemala, how you got there, why you're teaching there, you know, give us a little bit of that background and context of your connection. Yeah. And, you know, somebody might see my name here, Francisco Gonzalez, and think I'm from Guatemala, but I'm not. My father is actually from Cuba. And so that's how I get my name. But, um, you know, about four years ago, I came down here to Guatemala for the first time to visit a friend who was down here learning Spanish for about six or seven months. And I said, hey, short flight from Florida. I've never been to Central America. Love to uh, come down and see it. Uh, amazing place, natural beauty, uh, just unparalleled. It's the land of volcanoes. Don't let that frighten you. A couple active ones, but mostly not active ones. And uh, But just beautiful scenery like you could see behind me. And uh, I had a, a few other friends who had been connected to this university. It's a very unique place, the Universidad Francisco Marroquin. Um, it, was for, it was founded in 1971. They teach, you know, the, a very free market economic foundation here, but I mean, they've got everything from a law school to a dental school to a medical school, you name it. So when I was, I when I first came here and I was just visiting Guatemala, I knew about this university and I wanted to come visit and a mutual friend put me in touch and 
I basically, you know, just loved it and, and got to know a lot of people here, saw them at different events in, in the United States. And so they, um, they one time said to me, you know, if you're ever interested in teaching a, a class here, we, we, did, we have a lot of visiting professors. And to be honest with you, when you're on day one, basically in a new country and someone says that to you, you never even imagine that that's reality. Uh, it really went right over my head. But a few years later, obviously, we know what happened in 2020, and we all took a worldwide pause. And that was when I started developing the idea of building a company, Fearless Journeys. And near the end of that year, as I started thinking about how do I leave my current job, you know, the one with a paycheck and go off and start uh, a new company on my own, you know, and, and I, I, I really bootstrapped it. I was trying to figure out how to do this. And one of the things that came to my mind was maybe I can go somewhere where I can lower my expenses for a little while. Like my friend Kyle did when I visited him in 2019, he had just come here to learn some Spanish. I remember things being, you know, very much less expensive here, which sort of affords uh, somebody uh, opportunity to do something like that. So I reached back out to the folks here at UFM and they, they really worked very hard to quickly arrange for me to work from here and to teach a class on entrepreneurship and innovation. So that's what brought me here in 2021. And I was here for almost an entire year and loved it. And uh, I've been welcomed back to teach right now for, uh, for a, a class for one month. So we, I go every day for one month. Incredible, incredible. It, it speaks to so many things. One being that doors open and oftentimes you don't walk through them and sometimes you do and then it begins a, a new trajectory a new journey um, a new path that you know provides opportunities you could never have if you had not walked through that door in the first place one of the things you mentioned there that i do want to share a little bit more about is literally you started a company called fearless journeys <laughs> and that is, you know, certainly a big part of what you do. And, and it's also intriguing to me um, what Fearless Journeys is about. And it ties a lot into the entrepreneurship and into the book as well. So share with our listeners a little bit more about what is Fearless Journeys? What do you do? What's your philosophy um, that, that brought that business to life? Yeah, so the idea behind Fearless Journeys is really trying to help people build an entrepreneurial mindset. And to really, you know, be fearless along that entrepreneurial journey. We also do some group trips as well. So the Fearless Journeys has the added uh, value in the name of also, you know, bringing people together through travel. And I think travel is, it's been a large part of my life in terms of, you know, seeing different perspectives, you know, discovering new places, being inspired by the people you meet in those, in those other places, whether it be around other places in the United States or around the world. So, you know, I think it helps you to form connections with people and really those those lived experiences are formative. And I think, you know, formative experiences are things that really are part of building an entrepreneurial mindset. So that's another reason that we, we like to uh, help people uh, travel more, whether it's just to inspire them to travel more or actually bring them together on group trips. And then plus, it's a community. So we're trying you know, on the group trips, people get to, you know, meet other members of the community. They get to meet local entrepreneurs in the places we go. We have a real emphasis on not just bringing you to wonderful, beautiful places like Lake Atitlan in Guatemala, for example, but also when you're down here in Guatemala, actually connecting uh, personally with a lot of local entrepreneurs and getting to know the place through them. 
but also getting to be inspired maybe on your own entrepreneurial journey. So Kelly, you know, I have a podcast called Agents of Innovation that I started about eight years ago. I was working for public policy think tanks, uh, nonprofit organizations doing fundraising primarily. And through that work, I just came across a lot of entrepreneurial people, a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners. And, you know, a lot of the people I was meeting were people, I would typically meet them at their point of success, right? I mean, probably if I was asking them for money or trying to get them involved in our organizations, it was because, you know, they they arose uh, in, in some level in my mind of somebody who could maybe be supportive. But as I would sit down, and I think any good fundraiser will tell you that it's all about building relationships with people. And so you got to learn about people. And I always, I'm a very people person. I love, I love discovering everybody's stories. I always, I kind of have a common thing I've said the last few years, there's 8 billion stories uh, walking around the planet right now. So everyone has their own story, but you know, entrepreneurs, you know, these people who are very successful, you see them oftentimes you recognize them at their point of success. And when you get to know them and sit down and start discovering what was the journey that took them here? It wasn't easy for most people. It was very hard. They made a lot of bold, risky decisions. Uh, they learned through failure. They learned by doing. And this just started becoming fascinating to me. And I, I started seeing them in a different light. And I would walk away from so many meetings. And I would often have a very common thought in my head. Wow, I wish more people could hear that person's story. Well, I must have said that to myself 10 or 20 times. And one day, as I was thinking that out loud to myself, I was actually turning on a podcast. And that was in the fall of 2014. And that was when the little light bulb went off in my head and said, oh, maybe I could have a podcast. How hard is that? And that was before like everybody had a podcast. <laughs> but, uh, but, but so I called a friend of mine, Isaac Morehouse, uh, who had gone on his own entrepreneurial journey. And I just knew he was one of these people to ping ideas off of. And he was like, yeah, I think that would be a great idea. You should do it. So that kind of led me down the path of starting a podcast where once or maybe twice a month, I would interview someone. And I mean, I already had 20 people lined up in my head when I started this. So once I got to about 70 or 80 podcasts in, I actually had the idea of, wow, I'm going to be reaching 100 episodes at some point. I should do something interesting. So that's kind of what led me to thinking about writing a book. It also led me to thinking about what more I could do. I do all these things on the side, like a podcast. I love to write. When I travel, I love to do travel writing. And I've been actually writing about my travels since at least 2004. And over the years, they've gotten a lot more detailed. And so I kind of try to figure out how do I bring all these things together? And nothing really allowed me to have the time to think about that until March 2020 came along and I was, you know, I travel a lot personally for fun, but I had, you know, I traveled a lot for work and I always stay very busy with a lot of things. But once like COVID came and, you know, uh, obviously none of us were happy about the entire situation, but after a few weeks, you know, somebody I know in, uh, suggested to me that I might use this time to, to basically think about my own entrepreneurial uh, venture. And so I hired a friend of mine, my friend Carter Fowler, who runs Agile Brand Labs. And we did some Zoom sessions every week for about six weeks and got to a point that I went to see him in Atlanta for the final couple sessions a few months later. We brought some friends in and, and we really put together on the board 
the entire concept of what this company became. We had the name Fearless Journeys. We had the motto, chart your course. And then it was time to take some action. So, But that was where the idea came from. And one of the ideas I thought about was how can I bring a lot of these entrepreneurial people that I've had on these podcasts some of them were friends before, some of them fr became friends after. And I went to a lot of them and said, hey, when I start this company, would you be interested in being a featured innovator in the community? And what I would ask of you is once a year, be available for me to lead a live coaching session on an area that you already have expertise in and other people can learn from. So those are the people that pay into the community to become members of Fearless Journeys. Fantastic. So fantastic. And again, just, you know, how life kind of leads us on these paths and it's those connections that we make and those relationships we develop that allow us to continue to grow. One of the things that you just mentioned there, though, that I, I want to pause and talk a little bit more about is the idea of sharing stories. Because it's so powerful within our human experience to share stories. Obviously, that that goes back <laughs> to our beginnings. And you work with a lot of entrepreneurs. We're going to get into that term in a minute, but I want to just in general say you're working with a lot of entrepreneurs. How do you think sharing stories particularly helps or is useful for entrepreneurs? I think they help people relate, right? So uh, we're going to get into our book here, but obviously I outlined 10 characteristics, sort of the 10 common characteristics that I see in the entrepreneur. But the rest of the book are individual chapters on different individuals. And I just think, you know, the other thing about the, the way I approached my podcast and ultimately my book is there are maybe a handful of people in the book that some people might recognize their names, but most of the people in my book are not household names. When we think of a lot of entrepreneurs, by the way, I teach classes down here at UFM on, on entrepreneurship and innovation. And usually on one of the first days of class, I will ask the students, you know, who do you think of when you think of an entrepreneur? And oftentimes you get um, a lot of answers like Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, right? These are sort of untouchable people in our minds in some ways. It's hard. There are very few people like them. Um, and, and they're also like really wild exceptions in terms of the kind of companies they built. But at the same time, uh, they did have their own starts as well. We can't forget that. Uh, but I think a lot of the feedback I get from people that listen to my podcast and maybe even have now read my book is that while these are just everyday people that I'm talking to, many of them are can be very successful as well, but they are people that you may know. They could be your neighbor. They have a small business. Um, and it's And I just find... I think I find a lot of inspiration from those people. And, and I, I think I've been very privileged to be in very many rooms and in very many um, opportunities to meet the people that I've had on my podcast and I've, I have in my book. And, and so you might, many people might meet a few of these people in real life. I just feel like when I say I'm privileged, I feel like I've been privileged to meet so many of them. And, and, and then to, to become, you know, develop friendships with them and to be inspired by the work they are doing. And so how could, you know, one of the reasons I started Fearless Journeys was, you know, you do 10 episodes, you do 20 episodes, you do all of a sudden you do, you listen to 70 different people and you go, man, like every single episode, I just continue to get inspired to think, man, I want to do something entrepreneurial. 
right? Like I want to go do something like, like this person did it. So, so the power back to your original question, the powers of stories is I think that they just, it, it really draws on the human um, person and what they've gone through. Every, and every person has gone through their own personal challenges. Sometimes they're health challenges, right? I have a few people in the book that I've interviewed that were living very nice lives until they got into car accidents and lost the use of their legs. Um, but, the, but what they did afterwards was incredible. So my friend, John Morris, I knew John before his car accident. And this is a guy who about 10 or so years younger than me. And he was always a huge traveler, like even more than me. And we had a lot of similar interests. We have a similar faith. We have a, uh, we love history. We both did graduate degrees in history. So, um, but he, yeah, I remember the day that he got into this horrific car accident and they didn't think he was going to live. Um, in fact, the first people on the scene thought whoever's in that car is dead. It was on fire. Um, luckily he was really close to the, um, one of the best burn units in the country in Atlanta. Uh, I think it's Grady hospital and, um, they were able to help him, but he, he did ultimately become a triple amputee, um, and the great thing is that he lived. The sad thing was you're like, well, this guy's never going to be able to travel like he did or live a life like he did. Well, don't count out John Morris because this guy started a company called Wheelchair Travel where he literally take goes and, I mean, he has traveled to, I think, over 50 countries in his wheelchair in the last, you know, 10 years since his accident. And some of those, some countries he's also traveled to multiple times since. So he took his wheelchair to the Great Wall of China. Um, uh, unbelievable story. And anyway, but that persistence that he was going to continue on. And you know what he's doing now is he's saying, hey, I love to travel. I'm in a wheelchair. I understand how a lot of places are inaccessible to people with wheelchairs. I'm going to chart a course for those people. And I'm going to actually develop a company that helps them understand how to travel to different places. I just saw this morning, he released a free guide on his website. Uh, I think it's wheelchairtravel.org to uh, to travel to Rome and Italy. Um, and, and so how can you do it if you have accessibility issues? So, you know, th if that kind of story doesn't inspire you, like nothing will. <laughs> I totally agree with you. And we're going to talk, the characteristics, the 10 characteristics that you mentioned a minute ago, I want to go into those in a minute, but we have to, we have to share the book. <laughs> so you've kind of given us the overview, um, but listeners, the name of his book is The American Dream is a Terrible Thing to Waste. The agents of innovation share their fearless journeys in today's economy. Amazing title that we need to discuss um, because it came about from sort of an interesting moment um, where this appeared to you. Tell us why you ended up calling it this. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I told you a little bit about the story of coming together with my friend Carter to develop this, you know, concept for the company that I started, Fearless Journeys, the the motto, the name of the company, everything. Well, the person that I that actually first sent me an email in like late March, I think, of 2020, was a guy named Neil Freeman. Now, Neil is an accomplished writer himself. For those who might know William F. Buckley Jr., Neil 
worked for Buckley when Neil was like 25 years old. He helped develop Buckley's show firing line. Uh, he helped Buckley's mayoral campaign in New York. And I was working for National Review Institute at the time that um, really was an is an organization that helps further William F. Buckley's legacy today. And Neil had been a longtime supporter of the organization. And, uh, you know, I was just following up with people in late March who were supporters. And I had sent Neil an email and the, Neil, the email went something like this. Hey, Neil, um, I've been going through the database a little bit more. Um, uh, just to try to follow up with people I hadn't had time to before. And I noticed this one person that lives kind of near where you are in Amelia Island. And I wanted to see if, uh, you know, you might know this person before I reach out to them. And I said something in the email, like I'm using my time to go through the database a little bit more. And he sent me back an email and said, Francisco, I've been following a lot of your work that you do outside of National Review Institute. And while I hope you stay there, uh, in, in, in many ways, I think you should go off and, and use this time to think about your own entrepreneurial venture. And, and maybe I'll even support it. And that really, you know, when somebody of, of his stature says something like that to you, you're like, whoa, you know, and I actually had some things kind of percolated in my head at the time. So I thought about it. Um, and I actually said, wow, Neil, you know, I actually do have some ideas. I'd love to pick your brain. Maybe we can have a call next week. We had a nice call. And he really just gave me some ways to think about developing myself as an entrepreneur. Think, think, he said, you know, no, very few people are Steve Jobs. And by the way, he knew Steve Jobs. <laughs> and, and so he said, but you know what, you, you have a lot of relationships. You do this, you do this, you do this. Think about ways you can just leverage what you're doing to think about doing something entrepreneurial, you know? So gave me some time. So that's what, what led me to, to hire my friend Carter for branding sessions. So I, I wanted to give you that background because flash forward, I had actually developed the name of the company, went to see Neil in August of 2020, gave him a little pitch deck because he said he might be supportive. He got back to me the next day, told me he would he would support something. And then I didn't really know what to do because I was like, well, how much is my company worth that I, you know, if he's going to support something at this level and I just had, uh, am I, should I be giving him equity? So, you know, when you're kind of starting as a new entrepreneur, there's a lot of things you just don't have answers for. And you're also very unsure about there's a lot of uncertainty and you know he also told me yeah i think you should you know i'll give you I'll, I'll i'll support you at this level but i also think you need to raise you know this much and then so then there you know it just became too much for me to think about and by september of that year i really just thought you know i i think i'm just going to stay with my job i'm going to stay with my job get my paycheck and you know what i'll focus on writing the book because the book was part of the equation so I'll just focus on doing that. And I sent him an email and told him what that's what I was going to do. And he said, great. Uh, I, I like the way you think through these things, um, you know, and I wish you the best of luck kind of thing. Well, then about two months went by almost. And I, I had actually gone to North Carolina for a week in November. And this is why sometimes I think travel is good too. Sometimes it just gets you outside your day-to-day -day thinking. And when I got back to Orlando where I was living, I woke up the next morning <laughs> on Sunday. And I just had this like, what do I want to do? You know, I thought I was actually very much knew what I wanted to do six weeks ago. And I literally just looked up before I even got out of bed and said, God, please give me some direction today. Because I was just kind of tired of thinking and going back and forth about what I actually wanted to do next. And in retrospect, I look back at that moment and think, wow, that's a little demanding of me to ask God to give me a decision today. Right. But, I, but I, I only remember that because a few hours went by, you know, I got up, I 
I had some breakfast. I, I went on with my Sunday errands back home. And then I finally went over to my little home office and I, I opened up my email and I had an email from Neil Freeman, the same guy. And I hadn't talked to him in about six or seven weeks since I last told him what I was doing. And I had a, a one sentence email from him, Kelly. And, and the email was something like this. Francisco, I've been thinking about you this weekend, and I've just been thinking that a dream is a terrible thing to waste. And let me tell you, I hit my hand on my desk so hard, and I said, that's it. I'm starting this company. And within 30 minutes, I came up with the idea of moving to Guatemala. <laughs> so, uh, Because what I asked myself was, what is the obstacle? And the obstacle was, Francisco needs uh, to pay for his life expenses. Um, and then when I figured out maybe a strategy to do that, that started illuminating uh, some other things. So, you know, I've been writing this book since then. Basically, when I got down to Guatemala, I kind of started advance writing it even more, going through a lot of my previous podcast interviews. And only after it was actually, I didn't have a title when I came to you guys. Right. In, uh, in I think, you know, early fall last year. And I was talking, I got to give credit to my friend, Tom Gatins, who lives in Tampa, because I was telling him the story I just told you. And he looks at me and he said, I think you have a title for your book. I said, what's that? And he said, a dream is a terrible thing to waste. And I was like, I like it. And here's why I like it. <laughs> um, not only because Neil said it to me, but also there's something about this that um, entrepreneurs are not just dreamers. They're people that take action. And if there's nothing more that I learned from an entrepreneur is that, you know, a, a, a dream will merely remain a dream if you don't take action. It's you have to take those first steps. You have to move forward on something. You might fail. You might stumble. It might not be great, but you're going to learn through that action. And that's what entrepreneurs do. They just they're doers. They take action. So. I started thinking about that and I told I actually texted Tom back and I said, I like your idea but I'm adding one word to it. The American dream is a terrible thing to waste. And it's funny because I kept coming, before he even told me that, I had kept coming back to this phrase of the American dream. I never used the American dream in my podcast. It was It's called Agents of Innovation. It brings together conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. But it was amazing when I was going through every episode which by the way, was easy to do because I started a blog at the beginning of starting the podcast. A friend had recommended me to do that. And so I had basically written articles about every episode as I was doing it. Um, so it saved me a lot of time going back through things. But it was amazing how many of the people on my podcast actually used the term American dream. Uh, so many that actually it started standing out to me as I was going back through the interviews and that's a little bit part of it is that the reason I call this book, The American Dream is a Terrible Thing to Waste. Again, you just heard the story with Neil, but I think that's that's true because if you don't take action, if you don't do, you are wasting the opportunities we have. And to be honest with you, I think being in Guatemala for a year as well, and let me tell you, there are plenty of people doing well here. There's a, uh, there's a, there's a great... Um, this, this this country is moving forward, I think, very rapidly. But as we know, the number one thing that most people think of Guatemalans are people that are the migrants that are leaving this country. And where are they going? They're coming to the United States. Why? Because we have tons of opportunity. However, if you talk to the Amer average American, 
probably a lot of people see opportunities being lost. Maybe jobs are going overseas. Maybe jobs are becoming automated or digitized. You know, COVID just happened, shut down the economy. Uh, we also have uh, supply chain issues, right? There's a lot of angst right now in our for, for our economy, which is which is where you get the subtitle of this book, you know. Because what I want to say is that despite of the challenges to the economy, we still have tons of opportunity. The, the immigrant coming to this country sees opportunities everywhere. And, and, and so I'm trying to kind of reawaken other Americans, especially young Americans to say, kind of like, if you, it doesn't matter how challenging the economy ever is. If you can do one thing is build an entrepreneurial mindset and you will succeed. Hmm. Amazing. And I love that you brought up the immigrant piece as well, because there is something built in our history, right? Of, you know, the, the American dream. And, you know, there's there's so much potential here in this country. And as you shared the stories in this book, which I know is only book one of many more to come, um, the people that you share the stories of come from, like you said, all walks of life. They're not the people necessarily that you've heard of. But they also come from other countries. You have stories about people that came to the U.S. from Italy, from Bermuda. You've got, you know, all different, a diversity of perspectives. And yet, just like your friend John that you were speaking about, about the wheelchair innovation, they all have certain things in common. And I do want to come back to that because if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I'm not an entrepreneur and I don't even know what that word means or, you know, it sounds a little like outside of what I do. I want you to listen to these 10 characteristics because I think it might help bring that term entrepreneurship down into something that anybody can relate to. And so I'm going to share all 10 of them because I wrote them down here. Um, and then we can pick a couple that we might go a little deeper into. So you said, Characteristics of entrepreneurs. Number one, they are problem solvers. Number two, they are doers. You were just talking about that. They take action. Number three, they're curious and creative. Number four, they are formed by their experiences. The story of John that you described. They are fearless, bold, and courageous. I'm going to come back to that one in, in a minute. Number six, they're listeners. Powerful. Number seven, they're versatile. Number eight, intentional. Number nine, lifelong learners. And number 10, motivated by love and passion. So if you're listening and you're thinking you're not an entrepreneur, but you think, well, I'm actually a problem solver and a doer, and, and I like to, to listen and be creative. This is what we're talking about. This is the mindset, right, Francisco, that we're talking about that can lead to innovation. Absolutely. And the one thing, you know, it's funny, when I started my community, Fearless Journeys, I started it, and it's probably still somewhere on the website there that says this is a community for aspiring or ascending entrepreneurs. And by what I mean by that is the aspiring was somebody who's not yet an entrepreneur and maybe wants to learn the steps. What are the actual steps to take to, to become one? The ascending is, hey, you're, if you're already an entrepreneur, this is a great community to connect with others and to learn how to level up. But there's something that actually I, I have readjusted because I've learned that most people probably should not start a business. It's very difficult. And yet the people that start businesses, those are that is the lifeblood of our economy. 
because we constantly need new fresh ideas. We need new ways of doing things. And those are the people actually, if you look at it, small business owners actually are, uh, they hire most of the people in our country, right? We think of these big, large corporations, but it all starts with small business owners. So, and that's, you know, that's really powerful. But so what people can do though, even if, because I know look, there's people that are like, I can't start a business. I've got, I've got three kids under 10. That would be a huge risk right now, um, you know, or whatever the, your case may be. So the, the big, big thing though, is it doesn't matter whether you start a company or not, you can still build the entrepreneurial mindset. Because if you think about the entrepreneur, I just told you how difficult it is. The, these are why these people are heroes because they have persisted through so many challenges. And so what I'm trying to study is what is in the mind of these people that helps them get through all of these? And then what can I learn? How can I incorporate some of those characteristics? So even if, so if you're like listening right now and you own a business or you're a manager or you're just, you're, you're an employee and you work for somebody else and you think, well, you know, I, wouldn't you like some problem solvers on your staff, right? Wouldn't you like people that take action who are creative, you know? And, and so, so what can you do to help them learn? Because I could tell you, you could be an entrepreneurial person within an organization and help that organization grow. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, um, developing a new department of your organization, developing a new product, uh, developing a new service. You know, people who work at restaurants, they're constantly uh, testing, right? They're testing their menus. So if you're a waiter and you might think, how can I have an entrepreneurial mindset? Well, listen to your customers. The waiter is the one on the front lines, not the manager necessarily. The manager might hear a lot of the complaints and things, but the waiter might hear somebody ask for something on the menu. And if you start hearing somebody ask for this and you hear somebody else ask for it, and you hear, well, hey, you know what? This thing might be a hot seller. Let me let, me let my uh, manager know that people are asking for a particular item and let's test that one out. You know, So I, there's a lot of ways that you can build an entrepreneurial mindset in in small ways, and then and then maybe uh, you never become an entrepreneur. But if you continue to build that mindset, you might even want to one day. Yeah, absolutely. And I said I wanted to come back to the one about being fearless, bold, and courageous. And tell me, uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. I have always thought courage is not the lack of fear, but in fact, being afraid and doing it anyway. And when we, when I hear the word fearless, I think it doesn't mean that you have no fear. And I'm, and I'm pointing this out because I think a lot of times people don't go further because they are afraid you, like you were, you know, you were afraid to take that leap. And, and so I, I want to just point this out because I hear two words. I hear fear less. It's not about not being afraid. Taking risk always comes with, you know, the human amount of fear. We're, we're trying to preserve ourselves, right? We want to survive. So there will be fear. But entrepreneurs are the people that fear less, that are afraid, but they do it anyway. They're bold and courageous. Do you agree with me on that? Are you, do you feel the Absolutely. same way? Absolutely. 100%. And it's funny because, you know, we came up with this name, Fearless Journeys. It's it's weird how we got there. Honestly, the day that it went on the board, I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and then it kind of started sticking with me. 
So I started telling a few friends in the next two months of, of this, you know, as I was pitching my friend Neil and other people, and a, a few of them were people who had been on my podcast. And I thought, you know, these are the kind of people I want to invite to be featured innovators in the community. So one of those people was a guy named Matt Thomas. So Matt is actually, he's referenced in this volume, but his full story will be in a future book. Um, just the way I'm fitting in where the stories kind of fit. But Matt, I had had on the podcast, I think in 2018, I met him sort of because I just came across his story and I was in Atlanta and reached out to him right before I was going to be in Atlanta in 2018 and invited him on the podcast. We've since become great friends. Uh, he had a charity, still does, called Bra for a Cause. It, it is exactly what it sounds like. It, he takes people, average people like you and me, Kelly, that are not boxers. And you might be really passionate about a specific cause. And you basically, just like you might run a 5K or a marathon and raise money for some charity, kind of the same thing, except you're getting in a boxing ring and you're actually fighting somebody. You're brawling for a cause. So I went, I interviewed Matt, I thought there was, there was a nonprofit, very unique. And when he does it, there's like a big event in Atlanta with like 30 different people. So about 15 different fights. I went to one of these fights. Like this, these were legit boxing matches. They were short and brief, like three sh very short rounds. But I saw a couple of knockouts. I'm not kidding you. Um, Matt puts these people through like a couple months of training. And while he's doing that, all these people are, you know, talking about their, their cause and so it, it, when you see like a friend of yours who's not a boxer start training to box and fight for a cause that you're like, wow, this person's serious about this cause and you might show up and buy a ticket and then you get to learn about all the other nonprofits. I say all that because, and that's also, uh, there's this crazy new, fairly new sport in the world called chess boxing that combines two of his loves, chess and boxing. It is what it sounds like. You, you do one round of chess, you go, you go in a ring and you fight the same person you were, and then you go back. And where, wherever you wherever you <laughs> knock the person out first, you win. So Matt became a couple months after, yeah, a couple months after I had him on my podcast, he actually went to the World Chess Boxing Championships, I think in India, and he won. He was the first American to compete, and he became the World Chess Boxing Champion. I give you that background because I think of here's a guy who's pretty fearless, right? Here's a guy who's pretty bold, and he's got a lot of entrepreneurial ventures going on too. So I'm telling him in, in around August or September of 2020 about my new company. I gave I mean, we're, you know, the whole thing. And he says, I love everything you just described. I don't like the name Fearless Journeys. And he was the first person that told me that. And I said, what? He goes, why don't you just stick with your podcast name, Agents of Innovation? That's great. I said, no, that's the podcast. This is the company. He goes, well, here's the thing, Francisco. No one's fearless. And he says, and then, you know, he's a big Mike Tyson fan or whatever and said, you know, even Mike Tyson said, you know, everyone has a plan until you're punched in the face or whatever. And, and so he was trying to tell me that, you know, no one truly is without fear. And he said, I could even tell you have some fear right now. You're not sure about some of the next steps of starting this company. So I think you should rethink the name. Well, you know, by the way, I got on a plane a couple hours later back to Florida. I was in Atlanta when I, when I saw him and I was like, maybe I need to rethink this whole thing. If Matt Thomas is not on board with this name. And I, I mean, I told him, I said, I got a logo being developed right now. <laughs> right? So, um, but it made me think. And actually, I'm really glad he did that because I went back to the dictionary definition of fearless. Obviously, there is one definition that says without fear, but there's another that says bold and courageous. And I said, this is how we got here because in the branding sessions, 
We wanted to have a brand that emboldened people, that inspired them, that motivated them. And it gave them the courage to go forward and take the next steps. And then I started thinking, well, who are the people that I think of as fearless, like in my mind? And I thought of the people who stormed the beaches of Normandy in World War II. And I started thinking like these people were facing bombs and bullets and the sky was getting dark and black and thousands of Nazis were fire, firing back at them. People were dying to their left and right. I started trying to imagine myself in that situation. I thought, well, gosh, you know, these are the people I think of as fearless, but there's no way that none of them were without fear. Uh, you could be dying any second. How could you be without fear? But then I thought what you just said, you know what? They had fear, but there was no other choice. They had to keep moving forward anyway. Um, and so that I went back to Matt. I shot him a text and said, hey, I really uh, was troubled that you didn't like my name, but you gave me some time to think. And I just kind of repeated some of the same things I told you back to him. And I said, so here's the thing. I'm sticking with the name, but with the idea that people, I understanding that everyone's going to have fear, but the whole point is I'm going to encourage them to keep moving forward anyway. And he said, I like it. I, okay. I like it. I can get, a, I can get by with that. I should say that once I did start the community and I have these online coaching sessions, I had a, a young woman who's been on my podcast many times, Amy Gearhart's. I mean, she's been on my podcast once, sorry. I've known her for a long time. Um, she's in the book as well uh, here. And she has always been a singer-songwriter since I've known her. I met her at a charity music festival. We've, we've, we see each other you know, a couple times a year usually. And anyway, but she over during COVID, she developed herself into a mindset coach. So she helps other, her intention was to help other people in the entertainment industry, but she has actually found a lot of clients outside the industry as well. And so she's really great. So she came on and did a lot uh, an online live coaching session and she wanted to do it on this topic, make fear your friend. And one of the things she told us was one thing we have to understand, what is fear? Fear is a natural instinct. It's a natural instinct. And and, and why do we have fear? It's, it's, it's there to protect us, right? So if you're standing on a cliff and you're looking down and you're, you, there's a reason you might be afraid of heights because if you fall, you're going to die. So your body is naturally, you know, your stomach is curling up, your, your heart's starting to race. Well, it's your body's way of survival. If you think about it, most of human history has been about survival in our, in our evolutionary path, right? Uh, it's, it, we were very just hunter-gatherer peoples for 95% of human history. So we have that, that survival instincts built into us. Um, but she said, there's one thing that we need to keep in mind, whether we're, we're trying to build an entrepreneurial mindset or, or what have you, is we need to separate our natural fears from the ones we create ourselves. So Francisco leaving his job because he's afraid or afraid to leave his job because he's afraid he doesn't have a paycheck coming, you know, that might be a real thing, but it, but, it, but it might be something I create in my head, a real fear I have. I have to start peeling back and say, what's the worst that could actually happen if this doesn't succeed, right? And that's what I asked myself at the time. What's the worst that can happen? Oh, you know, I just probably go back to doing the same career I was doing before, right? I've got a resume. I've got things I could do. It's not going to be that hard to find a, a new job. Um, so, but there's a lot of things. So that's the thing. Separate the real fear, the real thing that's keeping us alive from the, the ones that we are creating in our heads. And it's funny, 
how many books I recommend to people. We have a book club in the Fearless Journeys community. And I'm telling you, I the word fear pops up in so many of these books. A lot of authors actually talk about it. And I, it's, I don't know if I recognized it before I started the name of this company, uh, Fearless Journeys. But I think going back to it, Kelly, it's exactly right. Even if you have fear, you um, keep moving forward anyway. And that's kind of what I'm trying to help inspire people to do. Love that. Love that so much. The other thing I want to point out to just wrap up this, the 10 characters of entrepreneurs, and I think it's important to point this out because the book's called The American Dream. And we talked about, you know, this sort of essence of all the potential opportunity in the U.S. And a lot of times people associate that with money. Oh, you can make a lot of money. I've been thinking a lot about this recently, just through other things that I've been working on. And, and the idea that even the word success in our country is often equated with a financial number, like you're successful if you're making a lot of money. And yet, in the 10 characteristics that you list, being driven by money is not one of them. And I want to point that out because I think that is so important. Um, to get to, because I personally don't think success equals money. It is one component, but it is not the full picture. And so what you've described is a bigger picture. Give me your thoughts on that. Why did you leave money off? And what's your thought on that after all the experience you've had with so many entrepreneurs? There's a lot of ways to make money. So I think what inspires people to go out and, and do it on their own, I have not found a, a single person that the primary motivation was money. Do you need uh, money to live? Yes, you need you know you need money to get by. You, you got to eat. You got to have a food uh, uh, shelter of your head. All these things. But people can find a lot of ways to do that. They can go work for someone else. And it's you know like I said, it's very difficult to start this venture. But what I have found is he, uh, there are there are a mix of of answers to the entrepreneur. But most that's why I say they're motivated by love and passion primarily because in order to undertake such an arduous thing as starting a company starting a business is you really got to love what you're doing and you know i've had a few people say you know i actually went and started this business because i saw an opportunity and maybe i didn't um, necessarily love this business or passionate about it but i became passionate about it i found a passion to do it. But that person, I was thinking of somebody like Claudio Sorrentino, who's in this book. He and his uh, friend started um, Body Details. And now they have like 20 something locations. It's basically a laser hair removal and tattoo removal company. Now they do laser fat removal. And he's not in, a medical person. He doesn't do these things. He just, he saw an opportunity in the market because he was working for something that was kind of similar. And, but what he said is, you know, I became passionate about it because I saw kind of the business model and things like that. But he said, the main reason I first got into it is I didn't, I couldn't work for someone else. He just, because he was a problem solver person when he was working for someone else and he saw a way to do something better. And then, but he wasn't the ultimate decision maker. He decided, well, I can't just sit, like, I'm too, like, he's got too much, you know, energy to just not do something about it. So he said, I want to be the decision maker. Okay. I see an opportunity to start this company. Um, but then there's a lot of other people who said, hey, you know, like, like this guy, Nate Amaral, you referenced, he's from Bermuda. You know, he had this, he had worked in many corporate jobs. He worked for an insurance company, which is 
one of the largest industries in, in Bermuda. People do very well in that area. But he said, you know, at the end of the day, I just wasn't happy working a nine to five corporate job for someone else. I wanted to be my own boss. And he, he said, I wanted the freedom, right? Claudio said something very interesting to me. He said, and he, he's, he was repeating, you know, some sort of idiom that, you know, you might've heard before, but he said, an entrepreneur is somebody who will work 80 hours a week. So they don't have to work 40 hours a week for someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of things that inspire people, but at the end of the day, people don't really venture out to start an entrepreneurial venture for the sole purpose of making money. They need money. And they're always, I think the money is more the validation, right? It's the validation that your ideas work, that somebody's willing to pay you for the value you're providing them. And I think the number one thing, if, you know, in economics and in entrepreneurship is you've got to find your competitive advantage in the market. What, what skills, what talents, what personality, whatever it is, what are your assets and how can you meet a market need or even create a market need, right? Nobody knew they needed an iPhone until Steve Jobs created it and brought it and sold it to us. So there's ways that you can create a market need, but mostly most people find a market need and they bring their own assets to that. And that is where, again, and one of the number one things in economics and entrepreneurship to understand is how can you bring your competitive comparative advantage to the market? Yeah. As you're kind of wrapping up that comment, it makes me think about your ability to go out and teach this. <laughs> We're putting you back and you're literally teaching it as we speak at, at the university. Um, but Francisco, if somebody's listening and they're thinking, this is something that really applies to something I'm doing in my company or could be useful for whatever I'm doing, why would they want you to come and speak to them? What could you offer to somebody like that that might be looking for somebody to come in and speak on these topics? Yeah, look, I think that especially if someone has a company and wants you know to inspire their employees, uh, I think you know that's hopefully what I can what I could add some value to them. Because there's so many, like I said, characteristics that you can build that, you know, I would love to have more entrepreneurial minded people within my company, right? I want problem solvers. We have problems that need to be solved. I want to learn, I want to learn, help people learn how to listen, be alert to opportunities, right? I mean, if you already have a company, that means you're adding some value already to people. It means you probably have the ability to add even more value uh, if you listen and are alert to your customers. And who are the people on the front lines? That's your employees. So to be able to inspire your employees to build an entrepreneurial mindset and to keep learning, you know, that's the other characteristic, right? Like learning does not stop. And I tell my students this all the time. I'm like, as much as we're here at a university and I'm assigning books and materials for you to read and all these things, the day that you exit this university, your learning only begins. You've got to continue to constantly finding mentors, reading books, maybe maybe joining communities like Fearless Journeys, you know, uh, opportunities for networking, uh, all these sorts of things. You need to learn how to continue to do these things so you can continue to stimulate your mind, continue to grow and continue to add value to other people. Excellent. Excellent. And of course, one of those books that you should be reading, if you're listening, is Francisco's book, <laughs> The American Dream is a Terrible Thing to Waste. Francisco, if somebody would like a copy of this book, where can they get it? Well, they can go to Amazon, right? And type in The American Dream is a Terrible Thing to Waste. And of course, if you come to my website, fearlessjourneys.org and go to our about page, I now have a link there to the book as well. 
Excellent. I'll make sure all of that gets in the show notes. And if somebody would like to follow you or to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Boy, you could find me uh, just about everywhere. It's hard not to find me. Uh, fearlessjourneys.org is the great website to uh, to connect with us. If you're on Instagram, uh, my handle is fearlessjourneysfg. And I actually have a little link in my Instagram profile to like all my links, like my link tree. So you can find me on LinkedIn, every, everywhere I'm, I'm out there. <laughs> Excellent. And again, I'll make sure if you're listening, I'll make sure all of that's in the notes below. It's been such a pleasure. I, I thank you for taking this project on, for sharing the stories. Uh, I just think there is so much to be learned and experienced when we share with each other. And that collaboration, that networking, that relationship building all begins with just sharing a story. So thank you for this book and thank you for what you're continuing to do. Well, thank you. You know, like, like I said, there's a lot of great stories out there. And I want to thank you guys at Scripter for helping me to share it because, you know, there's there's we live in this whole new world now where basically anybody can bring a, a book to market, but you can go through a, a traditional publishing company if you're lucky. <laughs> you'll you'll maybe get get an advance or things like that. That's very difficult. That's that's sort of the traditional way. You could also you know do, go self publishing and Amazon and other places give you the full tools to just do it 100% on your own. What I really liked about Scripter was it's it's the hybrid model. It's the it's basically taking this your book your manuscript having some people go through it. Uh, edit it, give you some suggestions. We go back and forth a number of times, but it's a very smooth and easy process. Your team is totally professional, helped from everything, including the great graphic that became the the cover of the book. Uh, so I really just want to say thank you uh, for for um, for giving me the opportunity to be a published author, and it's very exciting now. Yeah, well, it was absolutely a pleasure. We love what we do and we love the people that we meet along the way. Just again, so many powerful and inspiring stories. Before we finish, Francisco, it's called It Just Takes One for a Reason. You know, we started this podcast with the idea that we have a lot of people writing books. One book can make a difference, one story. Um, but it's also interesting because it's a it's a deep topic. It's a deep question. And I'm just curious from your perspective. What does it just takes one mean to you? I think you asked me this before, and I don't remember how I answered it. <laughs> so, but uh, what comes but, to uh, mind what, today? What, what comes to mind today is I think it just takes one connection, one experience to really change your life. And I mean, I, I think about just being here at UFM. I told the story at the beginning. I came here and I, the reason I came to Guatemala because one person in my life, my friend Kyle, came to Guatemala first. And, you know, I think the other thing is maybe I already have a curious and creative mindset, right? So I see Kyle's there. He tells me he's there. I could say, great, have a good time, right? But my mindset was really, I think, opportunity for myself to visit Guatemala finally. I, he says, great, yeah, come in May. So then I'm coming and I think, Oh, you know, there's that university down there I've always heard about. You know, my friend Rodolfo, he's got some connection there, right? I reach out to Rodolfo. Hey, Rodolfo, um, I'm going down to uh, Guatemala. I always heard about this university, Francisco Marroquin. You have some connection there, right? Can can I just show up and take a tour? Next thing I know, Rodolfo sends an email introducing me to the president of the university and a couple of his staff. 
And me and Kyle now have a meeting at 7.30 in the morning on a Friday, my like first morning here with the president of the university. And then those people take an interest in me and what I'm doing and keep a connection going. And lo and behold, a year and a half later, I have this idea to move to Guatemala, partially because of this small little experience I had. But I think about, about that, I think, what if I never visited Kyle? What if even when I came here, I never asked Rodolfo to help make that connection for me? So it's these little small things that can happen. And then you continue to maybe keep a relationship going with someone that you never know uh, what it's going to turn out to be. And I've had so many situations in life where maybe I was doing a good job. Maybe I, I don't know, I just was doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And somebody is always watching and someone's always observing. And later on, like a job opportunity comes up because someone saw you were doing something great over here. You are a nice person. You are a hard worker, whatever it is that caught their attention and they offer you a job later on or something like that. So one connection, uh, one experience uh, could change your life. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely true. And I'm thinking to the listeners right now, Maybe this connection, maybe this experience of just listening to this podcast inspires you to get in touch with Francisco, inspires you to get his book, inspires you to check out fearlessjourneys.org, and who knows what doors that might open. So I encourage you to follow through on that if that's inspiring you. And uh, Francisco, I'm sure we'll be happy to hear from you. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm ready to help people open some doors in their life and their minds. Fantastic. Francisco, thank you so much. Best of luck with this book and look forward to the next one coming out and enjoy your time in Guatemala. Thanks so much, Kelly. Pleasure to be with you. And there you have it. Another episode of It Just Takes One. Thinking back on the conversation that I just had with Francisco, and I want to leave with this thought. You know, entrepreneurs, the word entrepreneur is something that not everybody fully understands. Sometimes people that are entrepreneurs don't even know that's what they are. I think it's sort of an obscure word. But what I do know and what I hope you take away is that there are a lot of innovators in the world. There are a lot of people out there who are creating amazing ideas and doing incredible things. Francisco shared about his friend that turn his adversity into a business with the wheelchairs. That's just one of hundreds and thousands and millions of stories that are like that. If it inspires you, then I encourage you to go out and get Francisco's book. Read more of these stories. Let it motivate and inspire you. And who knows, maybe you will find an innovative idea and bring it forth to help all of us get better. <laughs> I'd love to hear about it if you do. And in the meantime, I just want to thank you for joining us. As always, we appreciate your support and your following. Stay tuned because we have more episodes of It Just Takes One, more authors and more books to share with you coming soon.